Hi, my name is Sophia, and I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much, Atusa, for asking me to share. Um, I put on my Steve Jobs turtleneck today <laughs> so that I could really just, like, you know, just share my experience, strength, and hope um, at, the, at my highest self today. So that's who I'm um, channeling today. Um, uh, I guess I'll start at the very beginning. 25 minutes. That's a long time. Okay, so I'll start at the very beginning. In the beginning, I was a compulsive eater. My very first memories are about food. Well, hating my mother and food. Um, waking up, like being so excited to eat cereal. Like just as a kid, just like loving cereal. Uh, birthday cake as a kid. Going to restaurants. I always, adults were always so impressed how much like an adult I ate because I had the palate of an adult. Like I would, uh, I could not be bothered with like, you know, chicken fingers and french fries. I was like, I will have uh, the crab and the souffle, please. Like, that was me as a child. Like, oh, like, just I loved food. I've always loved food, and I still love food, and I've actually, in this program, learned to actually really enjoy my food, um, which is a miracle. So, um, I'll give you all some stats. I am about a little, little less than 70 pounds from my highest weight in this program. Um, I have been in program for eight years. Eight years. I've been abstinent for eight years. I'm abstinent. My abstinence is no binging, purging, bottom line, no purging. And no donuts, bottom line. No donuts. Purging and donuts. And the reason why I don't eat donuts and it's the only food on my abstinence list is because whenever I want a donut, it's always for an emotional reason. And I can never, ever eat just one donut it is just like eating air and I need to have more and I try to eat a dozen like I literally before I gave them up every single time I would eat donuts I would try I would try to eat a dozen donuts and it would not work because I, I couldn't do that and I've always been it's like one of the biggest shames of my life that I can't eat a dozen donuts so I just had to give it up I had to retire from dozen donut eating so um and I have for eight years um because of this program and through the grace of God. And, uh, oh, I'm glad I mentioned God so early. Usually when I share, it's like, you have one minute. And I'm like, by the way, God is good. <laughs> Do that. God's important. That's important. So good. I'm glad that, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So um, I came into program in the year 2007. I put down 2008 on my sheet. But I came in after... Uh, finishing my master's program and I was about to move to Los Angeles and my master's program was very very stressful and I was very very afraid because I went directly from undergrad to grad school and up to that point in my life I'd only ever been institutionalized so I always had a schedule every semester to tell me where to be and what to do right and I always had something to look forward to and now it was like oh crap I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm so afraid. I don't have money. I, but I know I want to go to Los Angeles. I don't know what to do. And so I decided that I needed to lose a lot of weight before coming to Los Angeles. So I did a diet that I saw a celebrity that I read about a celebrity doing after she had a baby. I never had a baby, but I was like, I have baby weight, you know, like. <laughs> I sometimes, I sometimes joke about like just, you know, in the self-deprecating way of like, I should write a book on how to get the uh, post-baby body without having a baby. Like that's, you know, how, that's how I've always like viewed my, myself. So um, I went on this diet and I had to go to a blood test and then I was like eating and I was vegetarian at the time too. And so I was eating just like 
you know, one ounce of tofu and salad, and I could have four saltine crackers in a day, and it was just really, really extreme. My life got really, really small, and I lost the most weight that I'd ever lost as an adult. And, um, and I was a little bit lighter than I am now. I'd lost a little bit of weight than I actually have now, um, and than I carry now. Um, but I feel much better in my body. Spoiler alert. I feel much better. I felt much better 10 pounds more than now than, than I did being 10 pounds less than I am now. Um, so uh, I did that. And then, of course, I, like, I couldn't handle my life. I couldn't. I couldn't. Handle my, I would have to stay in my house. I could only stay in my house. And, like, I was trying to write my, like, little screenplay things for school. And I would watch the cooking channel and just watch the cooking channel all day long. Just, and I never watched it before, but I would just watch it and just, like, imagine eating that food. And I couldn't go out with my friends because I might have, like, a drink or something, and that's off of my plan, so I can't do that. Or I might have some food. And then... I would go to this burrito place and eat a big burrito and then be like, oh, my God, what did I do? And, like, freak out, and I started purging. And I'd never been uh, bulimic in, ever in my life until that time. And then I started doing that regularly, going to the donut joint, getting donuts, and then purging them and doing that um, until the point that I had a, like, nervous breakdown in class. And I, like, was in class, and... I was like, okay, I need to get out of here, I need to get out of here, but my backpack is on the ground and my computer's in it and I'll know that I'm leaving if I take my backpack, so I'm just going to say, I'm going to the bathroom. So I got up and I said, I'm going to the bathroom, everyone. And they're like, great. (laughs) Okay. And then I got into my car and I drove from Tallahassee, Florida to South Carolina. Like, I did not stop. I just got in my car and left. My friends were calling me like, where are you? What's going on? Like, you went to the bathroom and you never came back. And, And I was like, just get my backpack, just get my backpack. It's my computer's in it. And I went to South Carolina and I went into my bedroom at my parents' house and then just went to sleep. And they're like, hi, are you, why are you here? And I'm like, don't worry about it. And, and it was because I was starving myself. And then I was purging. So flash forward to graduating. I had an encounter with laxatives. I thought I was going to die. I was so, but I, all I could think about, this is so embarrassing. I'm so embarrassed I'm about to die from laxatives. I'm so embarrassed I might have to tell my friend that I need to go to the hospital because it feels like there's glass in my intestines right now. And so I prayed to God. I was like, I will never do this again. Just let me survive. Just let me survive. Let me not have to expose what I've done to myself. And so I haven't since then. I kept that promise. But um, I finished school and I was in South Carolina. And so I was with my aunt and my uncle. And they are a huge part of my disease in the sense of like when I'm around them, I immediately revert to 14-year-old self and want to eat all of the food and become a brat and go hide in my room. It's just like, it just, it's like a time machine when I'm with them. And I was miserable. I was just so miserable. And I was binging and I couldn't stop binging. And I told myself, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regain all of that weight that I lost because I cheated because I was puking up my food. Like that was my best logic. I'm going to gain all that weight and then I'm going to start over. I'm going to do it perfectly this time. That's my that's one of my character defects of perfectionism. Like, I didn't do it perfectly. I'm a cheater and I'm a liar, so I'm going to gain all this weight and do it over again. And I had known about OA because one day I was eating a bowl of broccoli and tomato sauce, and I kept getting more and more. And I was just, like, you know, watching TV eating it, and I was like, this is so weird. So I just Googled, why can't I stop eating? And Overeaters Anonymous came up first on Google. Like, thank God for Google. It's probably saved so many lives. It saved my life. So I kept the number in my phone in Tallahassee, but I never use it South Carolina. So I was like, I need to go. I read this book from this. I grew up in a Christian household, and there's like all these books about help, have the Lord help you. So I read this book about having the Lord help you, and I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drink juice and ask the Lord to help me. That didn't work. And so then. <laughs> 
So then I was like, I'm going to go to this OA place. And in South Carolina, I used to drive 45 minutes to get to a meeting because they lived out in the country. And I went to this meeting, and a woman shared about how um, she had been in program at that time for 24 years, and that's how old I was. And I was like, oh, no, no. See, I don't want to do this for, like, my entire life. I just want to, like, lose weight and, like, get my mind back and then leave. So I left. Then I moved to L.A., and I went to another meeting, and I hated that meeting. It was over across town. I hated it, so I left. And then I was I had an internship here. It was really great, a great opportunity, but I gained a ton of weight at that internship because they just had free food, had bacon Thursdays, you know. Like, it was... I was just like, it was great. I loved it. But I was just getting, I was gaining so much weight. And I would go into the bathroom. They had a scale in the bathroom. Welcome to Hollywood, right? There's a scale, a scale in the bathroom. And I weigh myself. And I was like, whoa, this is the craziest number. I've not seen this number since freshman or sophomore year of college where I gained a tons of weight. After, gained tons of weight after high school or in between high school and college because I was going to college. And now I know through working this program and other programs, I was afraid of boys. I was afraid of what is life outside of my safe sort of thing. So it's like, I'm just going to eat fruity pebbles until I explode. And that's what I did. And so I saw this number and I was like, oh God. And then I lost my internship because I had a bad effing attitude. You know, I just had like, just, I was, you know, I just, I had this disease. And one morning I woke up and I wanted to die. And I was so sad that I was awake. And I just wanted to go back to sleep forever. Um, so it's like, I, and I don't have money and I don't have insurance. So I have to go back to that OA place because that's only free. It's like free therapy. That's what I thought of it at the time. So I went and I never left. And I finally got a sponsor. And since then I've had five sponsors. I had a lot of shame around that because over about four years I had five sponsors. And... I lost them for various reasons. One left the program, two left the program, um, one got rid of me um, because I, uh, she wanted me to go to more meetings, right? Okay, so I was like, oh, go to more meetings. So I found a meeting, but it interfered with our time that we were calling each other. And I was like, and she was like, but I need you to call me, but I'm like, but this, this meeting, and you want me to go to meetings, so which, which one is it? And she's like, I can't work with you. I'm like, whatever. And I'm so glad because that meeting has been my home meeting, and because of that meeting, I've had, I have all this recovery. I've met some of the greatest friends I've ever had in my life um, uh, and fellows. I literally have the job I have because of that meeting. Like, I, you know, it's, it's been amazing. So, I'm, you know, it's worth it losing that sponsor. But at the time, um, uh, at the time, it was the most devastating thing. I thought I was such a bad person. So uh, working the program, now I have, um, that's really distracting. Um, I have, um, okay, let me back up. So maybe that's God telling me to reset. (laughs) Okay, okay. So... What have I learned in program now? Um, I am on step 10. So this is what I really want to share for anybody who's listening. First of all, oh, let me roll fast to a shout out to Australia. I was there earlier this year and I went to meetings because there's meetings all over the world. Anybody who travels, no excuse not to to miss a meeting. They're everywhere. It's a great, it's the way I really use traveling to feel like home. I go to a meeting, I find a meeting and I meet fellows and it's 
awesome. And then I tell them I'm from L.A. And they're like, Los Angeles? You all have the best meetings. And then in, when I was in Melbourne, Australia, I went to a meeting. And they're like, oh, you're from L.A.? They're like, oh, we listen to, um, we listen to that podcast, Kitchen Sink. I'm like, I go to that meeting every Saturday. And they're like, we love that podcast. And so I've always, since earlier this year, I was like, I hope I get to lead that meeting to like do a shout out to recovery around the world. So now I'm doing it. Hi, Melvin. Um, it's really exciting. Um, so, uh, so let's see. So I've worked up to step 10 because I am a sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I think it said in that how it works. I'm the slowly. Slow as she goes. I'm slow. So I've been in eight years. I, at one point, I was like, I think I'm going to work one step a year. Like, give me 12 and I'll get it done. I'm on 10 currently. I need to turn it over. It's just a matter of scheduling conflicts and getting that turned over to move on. Um, I, uh, for me, the biggest gift that I have had in this program, um, other than relief from donuts and binging and purging and, and a solution for my body obsession that still exists, a solution for wanting to to diet and thinking that if I were thin that my life would be better. All of that, I, all of that still exists. All of that. Sometimes a food will get locked into my mind and it will just turn and turn. That still exists. But I have had it's so different. And whenever I, whenever I have a quote bad day, a day where I took an extra bite or a day where I wasn't happy with what my food looked like, it is so different than what it used to look like. All it could look like was. I'm going to eat this food. All I want to do is eat this food. I'm going to, I have to eat this food. And then eating that food and then getting so full that I think the solution to feeling uncomfortable from being full is to eat more food. But like a, an astringent sort of food or like maybe, all, you know, like or, or something that's like a vegetable or something fibrous. You know, that was my solution to eat more food on top of the food. Now it's just like, okay. And now I go to a coworker. I work with people who are in program and I say, I was unhappy with my lunch today. And they go, okay, what's going on? And I say, well, X, Y, Z. And they go, okay. And I go, thanks for listening. And then I walk away. I leave the meal in the past. The meal happens. I leave it and I walk away. Um, and it's so different and I have so much relief. But, um, but for me, it's, I've been, you know, I've worked this program really, really slowly and I've been resistant to every single thing that I've ever been told to do by any of my sponsors. That is, ha- that is, that is me. That is my character, one of my character defects and it still sits with me. I'm so resistant. I'm so resistant and I have to try, I go, great, that's really great. That's a great idea. I'm going to do everything else but that. And then I'm going to come to that and go, okay, yeah, you were right. That's really cool. I love that. And what's really funny is us, uh, recently a sponsor did that to me. They're like, you know what I think I should do? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, you mean the thing that I told you to do six months ago? Great. Okay, yeah, try it out. I love it. I didn't say that. That was my mind. That was my disease mind being like, what did I say? Anyway, you know, my character defects. Because, and that's the great thing too is like my character defects are still a part of me. Some have lifted, but I don't. Now they're just sometimes it's just the quiet little disease voice in my mind. They're not that action anymore. You know what I mean? They're not the, the I haven't taken that extra step and I take that less and less these days. But for me, the biggest gift in this program, and I was so slow to do it, is sponsorship. I love it.
I was so afraid because I thought I had nothing to give. I was still overweight. According to like BMI charts, I'm still like obese. I'm like, whatever. I like, I can't even, I can't even deal with that. It doesn't matter. I'm no longer obsessed with being thin. I really actually have no desire to be thin. I want to be in a healthy body weight that's comfortable for me. And I think that's the definition of abstinence is working towards and maintaining a healthy body weight. That's the definition of abstinence in the Brown book. Um, so that's my goal. I want a healthy body weight, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to look like what people in LA look like and what people I realize work really hard to look like. And I'm like, I cannot be bothered. There's too much Netflix. I am not interested. You know, I can't be bothered with it. Um, it's not that interesting to me. So, but abstinence has been really wonderful and it's been such a gift. And it's through abstinence that I realized how much this program has given me. This program has taught me to grow up. That is the main thing. My parents gave me the tools that they had. They weren't the tools that I needed. And so coming into this program, I've learned how to be an, a mature woman of grace in the world imperfectly. Sometimes I'm still a straight up a-hole. Sometimes I'm still a straight up addict. That is who I am sometimes. But most of the time, I have a way to work above that and to be that higher calling. And so to talk about God, for me, I, as I mentioned, I grew up in a religion. So when I came in, I was like, ooh, I got this thing. I got the God thing. One, two, three, done. Let's move on. Let's work on that inventory. Let me tell you how I'm the worst person on earth. I love the fourth step, by the way. I just love taking myself to task. But I also love the fifth step. I actually love it more because then I get to tell somebody and they look me in the eye and they still say you're a good person. And I've done that, too. And it's okay. So let's move on. Like, that's the beautiful thing about it. All the deep, dark, which is not as much as the people when that founded AA. Like, they were up to some stuff. Like, for me, it's like, I was mean to this person, and I ate six cookies over it. Like, that's me. That's my disease. Um, but with God, I... Um, I had a really, really hard time learning of what that connection with God is because I came in and I knew what God was. And it wasn't, but it wasn't working for me. And so I had a sponsor who gave me her, um, her pass to the birthday party, pitch for the birthday party, love the birthday party. I really, I cannot suggest, like, I cannot suggest enough how much it, how good it is. I thought, I didn't go for years because I was like, why do I want to go to a birthday party? There's cake there. Like, that's like literally what I thought. I don't want to go to a place where there's cake and I think there's food and buffets. It's a way, duh, it's not. It's a convention. It's great. Tons of meetings. It's wonderful. You should go. Um, not should, but try it out. It's great. And, um, and I went and I did a workshop with God and I realized that the God of my family my, my family talks about God all the time. They cannot stop talking about the Lord, the Lord. And their lives are a mess. And I realized, like, oh, right, the reason why I can't use the God I was given to help solve my problem of compulsive overeating is because I look at you and your life is a mess. So I don't think God can help me with that. So then I, I had to form my new opinion of what God was. And I was so afraid because that was blasphemous. Right? God is God. Don't you tell God who God is. God is God. So I did this exercise where I wrote to God and I was like, who are you? And I'm so afraid to define you. And God wrote back to me with my non-dominant hand. Um, you've been defining me all along. I am bigger than you can fathom. I am not easily offended. I'm not offended at all. So you can make me whatever you want me to be. I, I can work for you. Don't be afraid to do that. And that set me free. And I did that at the birthday party and was like, right, wow. So through this program, and I'm like feeling a little warm here in my chest. That's good. I'm not having a heart attack. I mean, okay. <laughs> so, but, of like, of like, you know, of God, of this idea of like, 
of like God is way bigger than what my family thinks God is. And so when I see, when I'm with my family and they just cannot stop talking about God and what, how people aren't acting the right way that God wants to, I'm like, how do you know how God wants people to act? I'm like, how do you know? Because you're acting so terribly. You have no idea. But also you don't know because we cannot define, I cannot define God. And that's what my God is. Indefinable. I, it is whatever I need it to be. It is beyond all this space, time, matter, everything. And at the same time, God resides within me. And sometimes I struggle with the idea of, like, when you hear of, like, you know, when I eventually work the 11th step of, like, prayer and meditation. Meditation, love it, pitch for meditation, check it out, use a little audio thing, whatever you have to do. It's amazing. That also gave me to the next level of connection with God and connection with my program. But I have a hard time of, like, the idea of getting on my knees and praying out. I'm not a prayer. I don't pray. Um, thank you. That's five. Awesome. Um, I don't pray because, and I, and I just feel bad sometimes because you people, oh, I had to pray about it or I had to da 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 and reach out to God and do that. And I realize like within myself, oh, like, because God is in me. So I don't need to pray outside of something outside of me. God is in me, but God is bigger than me. And my disease is in me, but God is bigger than my disease. And so for me, my talk, when I pray to God, my version of prayer is just conversation. It's just like listening to that still small voice within me. And for me, that helps me on a daily basis to modify my behavior so that I don't eat over my behavior. So, for instance, the other day, um, I, I parked my car where I always park my car and something had, like the garbage people couldn't come and get the dumpster. And then when I got home, there was a sign, a very like well thought, like well colored in and like taped and like prominent sign of like, do not park in front of the dumpster. The trash people need to get the trash. And I was like, what? This is where I park. So something I was like, man, that was my ego, all of my disease of like, I don't like being wrong. I don't like doing something wrong. I'm perfect. I'm good. I follow the rules. I did what I was supposed to do. And now you're telling me I'm wrong in front of all of my neighbors because everybody knows I parked there. And I was really, really upset about it. Not real, but my version of really upset now is just like sitting there for two minutes and rolling my eyes. And then like, being like, whatever. And then just dropping it, right? You know, that's my version now. And of feeling it. It used to be just like, I'm not upset. And then I go eat over it. Now I feel it. I sit in it and I feel it and I let it pass through me because this is not forever. It goes away. Let it pass through me. Feelings aren't forever. Feelings aren't fast. They'll go away. And the next day, um, the dumpster people hadn't come back. And so I'd left, went to a meeting and I came back and then I saw my neighbor out there fidgeting with the guy and um, trying to get the dumpsters on it. And I went out there and I was like, hey, what's going on? And it turns out they're doing it a new way and it's only one guy and blah, blah, blah. So I wasn't wrong. I just was, they changed the way. And I asked my neighbor, I was like, did you write that sign? And she's like a nice neighbor. We get along well. And she's like, I did. And the bitchy part of me was like, I said, well, it was very elaborate. And she's like, <laughs> and, she, and she's like, and she's like, oh, well, you know, I like to, I like to, you know, just whatever. So I was like, mm-hmm. Um, and then this is where the God part is. And this is where it looks so different. And it may look contrary to what we think. I'm just being like, well, okay. And then walking away. That's what I would have done. Okay, you dumb bitch. And then been so mad for like ever. And then my lunch is big over something so dumb because I felt shamed. So I said to her, I was like, hey, neighbor, you know I park here. You could have knocked on my door. It was upsetting for me to see a sign to tell me not to park where I park 
and it felt weird because you know you know me and you could have just come to me and she's like oh, oh okay okay and then she like went away and that's what it looks like now that's God for me because I need to tell when I'm upset it's not really her problem but it was like it, it, the core of it is you're my neighbor and that's not neighborly and I would not do that to you and please don't do that to me but in a nice way and then she like wrote me a note and gave me a bottle of wine and it's all great whatever and that's unnecessary because all I needed was to get that off my chest because I know now that's something I'll eat over I have to be so vigilant over my behavior now of like every of the smallest little thing of the smallest thing I'm still so imperfect my some of my character defects are still with me but through this program I have learned that like every single step is there for a reason and I eat over my character defects. I eat because I don't have a connection with God. So I have to try every day to have that connection with God through meditation, through having that conversation. I'm the crazy person talking to myself in my car. You know, I try to make it look like I'm singing. Does that look less crazy? I don't know. You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm a crazy person, whatever. And, and that's what I try to do. And it's so imperfect. And, and recently I've had a lot of a new level of recovery around my food because I realized that in eight years I haven't dieted you know I don't diet anymore but I've been secretly dieting secret to myself that I'm dieting I'll choose for lunch the salad because I should have a salad but then I'll eat all the salad and that came to a head where I ordered like the cleanest lunch ever and I ate all of it and I felt sick to the point of wanting to purge it and I was like what in the crap is this this is all clean food what's going on and a fellow shared with me the concept of like whoa what she does is she stops eating when she's not hungry not when she's full like there's that fine line between that and she eats whatever she wants and I chose my current sponsor because I heard her sharing about how she eats flour and sugar and she eats whatever she wants and she eats flour and sugar because it's delicious and I was like and that's what I want because I want to be as I want to have as free and as open of life as possible and I heard somebody share this the other day and I will say this my abstinence will kill you. Yours will kill me. I'm going to repeat that. So don't start eating flour and sugar because you're like, I want to be free. Like for me, that was my, that was my goal. And I'll wrap this up of like the program. I've been in eight years. I know I'm a lifer. I'm going to be here forever and it will continue to evolve and my body will change on God's time, not on my time. And I will continue to learn about myself. And by learning about myself, I'll be free and I will be of service to others, which is the whole entire point. It's the 12th step. That's why I'm here. Thank you for letting me share. This is a time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, please remember. Oh, please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Any questions? Okay, so the question is, um, I work in a place with unlimited food. That is very true. And how do I deal with that? And then what was the second part of your question? How do I deal with seeing other people that oh. have struggles with eating And how do I deal with seeing other people, working with people who have my disease but don't work a program? Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, my first... 
uh, working with around, I work in an industry where wherever you go, you know, hashtag blessed, there's like food for days and, you know, you never have to buy food and there's just free food, delicious, wonderful, awesome food. Um, so how have I dealt with that? Well, when I first started... When I first started working in the industry, I dealt with it terribly and gained a ton of weight. Then I moved on to, I had to slowly learn, like, whatever this is, I have this mechanism in me of, like, I'm going to starve and I'm going to die of hunger. And I don't know if it's, like, a past lives thing. My dad's Somalian, so maybe it's genetic. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, like, I'm going to starve, must get it in while I can, whatever it is. But um, I've had to slowly but surely through just example and through God's grace of just working on me, learn that, like, there is enough. There is another meal. You don't have to eat it all right now. You can come back to it. Committing my food also really helps. So if I know that I'm going into a dangerous, quote, dangerous situation for me of, like, ooh, man, I'm going to end this day thinking about my body and wake up in the morning thinking about my body, I'll commit my food and go, okay, I know there's going to be X, Y, and Z there today, and I, if I want to have it, I'll commit it. If I don't want to have it, I'll commit that I don't want to have it to keep me, to remind me, to give me, like, you know, bumpers, so when you're bowling, just bumpers to go down the lane. Um, and how do I work with people who are not in program but um, – have this disease from what I can tell from just seeing their behavior like mirroring my old behavior not very well I don't do it very well I get angry and I get annoyed and then after I go through my anger and annoyance I go to compassion right because the opposite of judgment is compassion and I one of my biggest character flaws is criticism and judgment and I've learned that the opposite is compassion so instead of hey, this person's bad or they're wrong or they're annoying me, it's bless them, they can't help what they're doing. You know, I hope that they find the recovery they need. I hope they get what they need from that. And sometimes I just have to walk away and not witness it. And sometimes, I, sometimes a few times I've had to draw a boundary where I go, hey, can we not have this around? Because the sound is driving me crazy. Not like, you're a compulsive overeater and you're driving me nuts. That's what I want to say. But like, hey, this is, this is interrupting the workflow. Can we move this away? And sometimes I've had to stand up and say that. That's maybe not the most correct thing to do because other people should be able to live their lives freely and do whatever they want. But, you know, I'm, it's, you know, I'm learning. Thanks for asking. Thank you, guys. Uh, you mentioned something during your uh, pitch about hitting a point where all of a sudden you were getting attention, sexuality, and body image. How did you deal with that? Um, I had to go work another program. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> okay, so the question is, how do I deal with, you know, getting attention and, and like, body changing and that sort of stuff? Um, because I was afraid in college of getting attention, and so I picked up a bunch of weight. Now I see that that's what I was doing, bless my heart, you know. Um, and so, yeah, how do I deal with that? And I'm still dealing with that um, because, for me, what I've realized... Food and sexuality are one and the same. It's the same. Food is love. Sex is food, food, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, why do we go, mmm, when we eat something that's so delicious? Or right? like, like, they're all connected for me. You know, it's like, oh, this is so great. For me, still food any day. Food over dude. Any day. I'm so, but I'm working on that. So I had to, I had to go to another program to, to deal with that. What is that about? So that's how I deal with it every day. So that's outside issue. I had to go work 12 steps elsewhere. Thanks. Um, you mentioned in writing about God that you 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, what's that okay, so I mentioned in my share that I wrote when I was writing to God, he wrote back with my non-dominant hand. There was this exercise that I thought was really great, and sometimes I'll still use it, where you write a letter to God with your dominant hand, so that's my left hand, so I write a letter to God, and then I pause, I pick up the pen with my non-dominant hand, my right hand, and I let God answer me back. So just something about, like, you know, it's not as easy to write, there's more of a flow, and it really did, you know, because... It, one, it really did work. I think it's a really fun exercise to do, a one way of connecting. There's a million, billion ways to connect with God. And so that was one way of connecting, and I found that to be super helpful. And the thing that I talked about of God being inside of me. And that actually goes back to my childhood religion, right? The kingdom of God is within us all, right? So it's like, there's that, so it's just me tapping into it. The answers are here. I have all the answers. It's Dorothy and her ruby slippers, you know, for me. Of like, I always have it. It's just finding a way to connect. That's 11th step, right? Of like making a, a conscious effort to connect with God. And that's what that is. Oh, step five. Okay, so the question was sharing my experiences with sharing step five with my sponsor. Um, I didn't really, one, my sponsor was really great. We just got through sharing my fifth step in like one setting. She was like, just, let's, like, let's just do it. Let's just hit it. Let's do it. So we did it all in one setting, um, and I wrote like, oh my gosh, hundreds and hundreds of pages. I've worked several fourth steps. I've worked several fifth steps. And um, my, but my very first time working with this step was in this program. And I didn't even realize the miracle of it until weeks afterwards. Of like, it just started like changing me. It was changing me. Like all those secrets that I had, all of those things, some of them petty, some of them big, you know, stealing, taking people's food, whatever it is. Of like, it changed me. The idea of like, I am like, somebody has heard all of that and I am now a person in the world I don't have I I don't have this shadow place in me anymore I exposed every bit of me regarding this fourth step to the light and it completely it just was it was such a spiritual thing and it was a gradual sort of thing that kind of settled on me weeks after and I was like oh I finally get it I understand why we do this I understand I I understand the purpose of this and what it does and it helped me stand more upright in the world of somebody with integrity and honesty and somebody who is wanting to be the best person that they can be and to be the complete person that God put me on earth to be um, before the disease got in the way and 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 uh, stopped my growth in a lot of ways, like it just it was awesome. Um, so you finished your initial response by service. Yeah. Um, can you talk about how you incorporate service into your program and um, how many sponsors last you? Okay. Okay, so the question was service. How do I incorporate service into my program and how many sponsors' lives have I ruined? I'm proud to say none yet. None yet. I haven't had a few ruin mine. Um, <laughs> in positive ways of like, I don't want to do that. You're ruining my life. Well, so maybe I have ruined lives. Like, we're not doing that anymore. And like, if we're working together, we're like, we're going to, with God's help, not going to do that anymore. But um, how do I incorporate service into my life? Well, there's, I have a home meeting every Wednesday morning, 8,000 Sunset, 7.30 a.m. If you're in town or if you're here, I would really love to see you there. It's a great meeting, very strong. Um, and I have had issues with that meeting, my own issues, because I have issues with everything on earth. And I have known, I knew enough to take service commitments so that I would come back to that meeting. So service 
keeps me coming back to meetings. That's what service is. That's how I incorporate service. So whether it's being, okay, um, I started out as being the setup person. So now when I'm not the setup person, it drives me crazy because they don't do it as good as I do. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, this is my mind, right? I'm like, oh, the chairs are not. Oh, I should do, I should do setup next time. And next time I'm probably going to do setup because I want to get that perfect circle back, you know? So that, um, but also the main thing that service has done for me is that it has allowed me to be imperfect and then still to be able to show up and be loved when I'm imperfect. That is what service has done for me. So nervous to be a secretary, I gotta find speakers. So what happens when your speaker drops out and then you're stuck at the meeting? You just ask somebody in the group to share. Whoa, they show up for you. God's there, God's got it. You forget the bag with all the stuff in your car or you oversleep and you can't get there to set up the meeting. Somebody's going to chip in and do that. You're taken care of. It has allowed me to be okay with being imperfect. It has allowed me, it has given me the opportunity to to be brave because it takes a lot of courage for me. It, it took a lot of courage to sit at a meeting. Thank you. Um, sit at a meeting and leave the meeting or to bring speakers and like praying that they'll be perfect. Right? Like, please say something perfect. I need to get the best speakers ever. You know, I'm so like, that's like the best, the best, most perfect. It's like everybody is going to be saved by the end of this whatever it is you know that's my old religious stuff right save them you know so and it's just like no it's not me that's God God is going to speak through them and we're going to hear what we want to hear even if it is kind of like oh I kind of drifted out on that somebody is gonna somebody is gonna get something out of it that is what service has done for me and that's how I've incorporated it so I always have a service position always 100% and sponsoring has taken it to the next level for me that is just I am not a good sponsee I will say that. If my sponsor's listening, I don't know if she listens to this. I know I'm not a good sponsee. I don't call as much as I could or should or ought to for my program. I don't listen the way I do, but the way I'm sponsoring is, is I, and I often sometimes feel that my sponsee sometimes isn't as available as I would like her to be. I'm super available for my sponsees. I answer the phone every time that I'm available to, and I listen to them, and I draw boundaries with them. And I really, I really, really love it. I really love the idea of being able to share what God has done for me. So that's how I incorporate service. Any other questions? Did I cover it all? <laughs> that's thorough. Um, yes, I have a big book in my desk at work. I have a big book on my iPad. I have like a big book in every room of my house. So sometimes I'll just pick it up and just flip it open and read it and I'll hear something that I need. Um, uh, the day, what was it, day at a time? So the white book, I use that. Um, oh, sorry, the question was, what literature do I use? What go-to literature, what do I use? Um, so big book, uh, the white, the little white book. Um, and yeah, that's probably basically it. The brown book I have, but I know the abstinence because my sponsor, she was, I was like going on and on about my abstinence, blah, blah, blah. She's like, do me a favor, just buy this book and then read this page and then come talk to me about it. So, <laughs> so I did that and she's like, so what's abstinence? Working towards and maintaining a healthy body weight. Okay, great. You got it. There's your abstinence. 
great. So that's why the Brown Book. I haven't really read it, though, to be honest. And also, I'm not like I'm not really a thumper on any of these things. Um, and I'm I've actually I'm very deathly afraid that someone's going to ask me about a specific step because I'm going to freeze and be like, which one is that? Is that the one about God or about the thing? So, um, again, it's been eight years. I, I use all these things as my tools, and I have a lifetime to learn all of this stuff. So, okay. Yes, I do. I actually weighed myself this morning. Okay. Great, actually. It's really good. Okay, so do I weigh myself? My sponsor, when I first started working with her, was like, you should weigh yourself like every month or something just to know where you are. So I kind of did that. And then sometimes it'll be more regularly if I'm following a meal plan, you know, like more regularly just to see what my food is going to be and to how it should adjust. Um, I've kind of dropped it. Now I mainly use weighing myself to help me I have really big issues with clarity I get whether it's with money whether it's with my body I will start building a story all of a sudden I'm out of money I have no money so I have to go and do numbers and see okay I have money and this is how I spent it I'm okay or it'll be like I've gained 67 pounds and I'm going to stand up in front of those people and blah 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 blah. so I had to do that this morning because it's like I have to weigh myself and get the facts not the imagination let me get the facts so I weigh myself sometimes it looks like how I want it to sometimes well, actually, it never does. Even if, it, even if it's up or if it's down, it never looks how I want it to. Because if it's down, it could have been way down. If it's up, uh, it's up, you know. But now it's actually reversing. Now it's like, oh, okay, that's great. It's a little bit up, whatever. I've introduced foods that are ma- I'm having out allergic reaction to. Um, so and that, and by allergic reaction, it's a soft way of saying of like um, having a hard time eating just one of them, you know. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so I weighed myself this morning to get that clarity so that, because if not, I would be up here and be like, man, I'm going to say this number and I'm going to, I'm lying to them because I've gained 20 pounds this week. So I just use it as clarity and then I have to deal with it. I have to deal with the facts of it, but it does not define me. That number doesn't tell me whether or not I'm a good person or doing a good job. It just tells me what my relationship with food is right now. And the truth is, is I kind of know. When I get on it, I'm like, yeah, I've been finishing my lunches. Yeah, I've been eating until one past, one bite past full. I know, and I know what it's going to look like. For me, it's a spiritual gauge of like, what, what can I do? So maybe this meeting will help, and so maybe the scale will look differently. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Sophia. You just mentioned that there's allergic reactions. Yes. What do you do when you have allergic reactions, meaning more than one? Right. Okay, so I have, to, I have to wrap up, but the question is, what do I do when I have an allergic reaction, when I have more than, when I know that I'm going to have more than one and that sort of thing? Um, I talk to somebody about it, and I forgive myself, and I forgive myself, and I go, this is okay. It's not the end of the world, and then if I need to, I'll commit it to my sponsor and be like, I'm not going to have this because it's really allergic these days I'm not going to have this until it's out of my system and sometimes my sponsor if I'm like being a little like da 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 frenetic she'll be like hey why don't you just stop having sugar for 30 days she's like just check it out just do that you know because I do have it I don't have it and it's usually sugar is the allergic reaction I can have it with impunity sometimes and sometimes it starts to agitate me and so I just have to modify and it's just all of just the, the practice the practice of the program thank you that's it <laughs>